The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of royal peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. And a former FBI informant has been charged for lying about President Biden and Biden's son Hunter and their involvement in business dealings with the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. Now, the reason why this is significant is that this individual uh, and his testimony was a major aspect of the claims by Republicans that President Biden himself had benefited from his son's business operation. Based on a completely bogus lie funneled through a confidential source by Russian intelligence, uh, it tells you uh, the real danger that our Congress is in right now, having been held captive by Donald Trump and now operating at the behest of Russian intelligence and Vladimir Putin. It's just one more aspect of the whole Russian misinformation campaign that so distorted our electoral processes from 2016 and going forward. You know, given this new information about somebody who is acting more like a Russian, you know, operative than anything else, uh, I think, you know, they're going to have to pull back. Which we now find out is a lie that specifically they were paid $5 million each. And we've heard that trumpeted over and over again by House Republicans Turns out it's a lie. So what does that do to impeachment efforts now? Oh, I think it eviscerates an impeachment effort. The simple fact here is that not only was this the basis for impeachment, but a lot of people relied on it and were out giving speeches and statements about it. And it really all just falls apart now because literally your star witness, um, his testimony has been completely discredited by, by law enforcement. Yeah. Allegedly a lie, to be clear, Allegedly in the lie. face. Yes. I mean, is there any rationale, any justification for House Republicans to continue their impeachment inquiry after the developments of this week? Is this now dead? No, it's time to fold up the circus, uh, but it's over and we should stop wasting the taxpayers money and stop wasting energy on this. But this one is over. And I called on them Friday just uh, to acknowledge their defeat. The impeachment investigation um, essentially ended yesterday in substance, if not in form. And the center of the impeachment inquiry into you has been indicted for allegedly lying. Your reaction to that and should the inquiry be dropped? He is lying and it should be dropped and it's just been a... It's been an outrageous effort from the beginning. I mean, the way it normally works is that you get information, you verify it, and then you publicize it and act on it. They did the opposite. It does seem to me that senior Republicans knew that this was not credible information. They knew, but they had every reason to be extremely suspicious of it. And we were repeatedly warned by the FBI. And the whole thing was a political setup job from the beginning. And now we know that the Russians were involved. 2016, all over... Again, deja vu as we've been uh, discussing this week. It's Russia, Russia, Russia. Always Russia. The Daily Beast this morning. The headline, a vote for Trump is a vote for Putin. There you go. As I say, we're back in 2016. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on this final show of the week. Hard to believe we're at Friday once again, the live stream of this show is available at TrumpetDaily.com or 
at the Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash live. Saw from the live chat, we've got someone listening from the Czech Republic. Welcome to the broadcast. Lots and lots to get to on today's show. Hopefully, hopefully we'll, we won't get into the weeds too much or get into too much of the detail. But just just to step back in the bigger picture of things, I, I loved Joy Reid's comment in particular, where he sh- she says that normally you get the info and then you verify it, right? Is that what they did with Christopher Steele and the Steele dossier? Here he's using all these bogus sources, putting together all of these lies, and the media, Joy Reid's media, the regime media, they take it and they run with it. And by the way, did any of those liars, were they ever indicted in 2017, 2018, coming off of Mueller's investigation, Durham, any of that? This guy, you, you've probably never heard of him, uh, Alexander Smirnov, he's, he's been a reliable FBI source and informant for a decade, a decade. And now all of a sudden he's bringing information that uh, doesn't make Joe Biden or Hunter Biden look very good. Now he's, uh, he's being, I mean, aggressively chased down by the FBI, arrested now twice. They wanted to detain him last week because Weiss, this special counsel that's investigating the Biden crime family, really it's all about covering up their tracks, all their criminal activity and behavior. But now here comes Weiss, and I mean, he's got to go after Smirnoff. He's telling lies to your FBI. The, the timing of all of this, the fact that, as you heard there from the talking heads, the fact that this is what uh, uh, an impeachment proceeding against Joe Biden, it's all revolving around Smirnoff. And now we know he's a liar. So it undermines, it gives the Democrats their talking point and it undermines the entirety of the impeachment process. I was just mentioning to Sam here this morning, you, you listen to that montage, it's infuriating because all of these Democrats So many of them just lying through their teeth, coming forward to the cameras, saying this undermines impeachment. It needs to be set aside right away. And and my my response, as I was discussing it with Sam, is where are all the Republicans who are coming forward to expose the false narrative, to expose these dirty tactics? The Republicans discovered Smirnoff. I mean, the FBI didn't want to give over his 1023. So the only investigation really the Republicans have into this guy is, listen, if he's a liar or not, I mean, we want to look into it. But he's not the center of the possibility of an impeachment proceeding. He's not like the Republican star witness. Far from it. But you know something fishy is going on when they all come forward, I'm talking about the communist left, when they all come forward and they say the same thing, they all say the the same thing. The regime speaks in unison. He's not, first of all, he's not the star witness. He's he's actually been a longtime informant for the FBI, A, a reliable source. I'll get to Andy McCarthy's article here in just a second. He's been a reliable source, but not now, not this week. Now he's a flight risk. Now, I mean, the Kremlin is telling him what to say, and he's saying some bad things about Hunter. 
and Weiss's special investigation or special counsel, they can't have that. So he's got to disappear. They don't want the Republicans to be able to talk to him or, or, or anybody for that matter. <laughs> They're in court basically arguing that he's going to leave the country. So we need to keep him locked up. This is the way the regime operates. The timing of all of this, uh, again, you, we can't connect. We can't possibly connect all of the dots. But if Andy McCarthy, you know, a commentator, and then just in our stack of news, if we can kind of look at all this and say, what's going on here? What and why? This isn't the way they treated Chris Steele and his bogus sources. None of them, the, so far as I know of, none of them went to jail. None of them were detained because they're a flight risk. But now you see it's very, very different. Why so zealously and aggressively go after this guy Smirnoff at this time? This is from Andy McCarthy talking about the peculiar Smirnoff indictment. The indictment that Biden Justice Department special counsel David Weiss, remember he gave the sweetheart deal to Hunter and, and wanted Hunter to go off scot-free. And it was just some judge that basically held Weiss's feet to the fire. It says here, uh, regarding Alexander Smirnoff, previously described by the FBI as highly credible, not just credible, highly credible. It says here, and a useful source for several successful prosecutions over the last decade. It's one of the more peculiar charging documents I've ever seen. That's coming from Andy McCarthy. He's no, I mean, he's no avid Trump supporter by any means, but he's been around for some time. He usually has some pretty good commentary when it comes to the practices at the DOJ or the FBI, prosecutions, of course. He says here, Smirnoff is charged with two counts of making false statements to the Bureau. And the, the FBI, they really do not like to be lied to. A false statement to the FBI, I mean, they'll come after you. Well, I should qualify that. They'll come after you if you're with the political opposition. Because in other cases, like I said, Chris Steele, no big deal. We don't have to verify anything. Just run with it. We've got to run with it because it could be true. It says here, he'd been told that President Biden and his son Hunter were bribed by a corrupt Ukrainian energy company. So as I say, they keep arresting this guy, and now if they get the right judge, they'll make sure that he's detained and held behind bars. It says here, this is over at Politico, lawyers for Smirnoff, the former FBI informant charged with feeding the Bureau false corruption allegations against Joe Biden, say he's, uh, he's been re-arrested just days after a magistrate judge in Las Vegas ordered him to be released from pre-trial custody. So one judge let him out. Somehow Weiss gets another indictment. There's another arrest made. I think that happened on Wednesday. It says here on the morning of uh, February 22, Smirnoff was arrested for the second time. So why are they so worried? What, initially, why was the FBI just doing everything it could to try to cover up the, this informant's uh, knowledge in the 1023? Didn't want the House Republicans to see it. And then the, the Republicans kind of stumble upon to this name and they're looking into it a little bit more. And then now, now he's, he's no longer a reliable FBI informant. Now he's a Russian operative. Russia, Russia, Russia. 
And, and what about all these stories? Just in the last, the Republicans finally put their foot down on, on funding the war effort in Ukraine. And then you've got, as you've heard on this, story, on this show, I should say, you've got Russian nukes falling from space. You've got, uh, you've got the Russian dissident who's murdered by Putin. You've got all these stories. Now this guy, Smirnoff. Now you've got Jamie Raskin going to the camera saying, hey, imp- there should be no impeachment, nothing. This ends it. Of course, the Bidens would love to see it all just go away. It says here from McCarthy's piece, I don't recall ever seeing a false statements case such as this. Government investigators summoned an informant with a long history of fruitful cooperation to a meeting at which the investigators expected to elicit false statements from the informant, yet did not confront him with their belief that he was lying. So it's another perjury trap, essentially. He's, he's been a reliable source for 10 years. You don't sit him down during the discussion and say, hang on a second, that doesn't really ring true. No, they just wanted him to lie. And now they've got the counts. And now the indictments have been issued. And now the arrest has been made. Twice. It says here, generally speaking, and especially when dealing with I think I might have read that part. In any event, it says further on, there's no indication in Weiss's indictment of Smirnoff that this happened, that he was given a chance to, you know, correct the record if in fact he was giving bad information. There's certainly no indication that Weiss's team, before encouraging Smirnoff to incriminate himself, advised him that they suspected he was lying. Nothing. This is, what, this is the way they operate when they're just going after you and trying to destroy you. You can see General Michael, Michael Flynn about that. Just try to set him up. Just try to get some kind of a contradictory statement. And then, you know, if they, don't, if they are no longer a reliable witness or informant, put them away. Put them away. It says here, that's very odd. It doesn't, of course, mean that Smirnoff was telling the truth. Far from it. But it does suggest that what Weiss was principally interested in is cinching a prosecutable case against the informant rather than understanding the underlying facts. What he's getting at here is that the entirety of the the investigation into the Biden crime family is bogus. It's not meant to uncover crimes. It's meant to cover them up. That's what McCarthy suggests right at the end of his piece. I'll just read the rest of it. Weiss aggressively argues that Smirnoff's connections to Russia, well, he goes through the section here where he says that he should be behind bars because he's a flight risk. And then uh, his conclusion here, the prosecutor concludes by warning the court that Smirnoff is engaged in efforts to spread misinformation about a candidate of one of the two major parties in the United States. That, That would be President Biden. More, more misinformation about the fake president. It's that we're going to be hearing that a lot in this calendar year, in this lead up to the presidential election. It says, while it makes no law enforcement or intelligence sense for Weiss to have revealed this information, his doing so makes perfect sense if you believe, as I have contended, that Weiss's main job all along has been to protect President Biden. That has been the job from the beginning. 
They protect their own. They turn on reliable informants of 10 years. As long as it protects the fake president. Weiss is a Biden defender. You saw it play out in the Hunter case, as I say. The timing of this, it makes perfect sense if you're trying to undermine impeachment, if you're trying to let Biden wiggle free. But, but then the double, there's so many different angles to this that could be covered, the double standard, how the, they were relying. It's verifiable. They were relying on bad informants, informants that were lying in 2016 and 17. We now know this. And yet no one was ever held to account. We're not sure if it's related. In some ways it is because of what this woman, this journalist, was looking into before she was fired. She was laid off. Catherine Herridge over at, uh, at CBS. They've made cutbacks. I guess the parent company has made a lot of cutbacks. And with respect to CBS News, they laid off something like 20 employees, I think, earlier this week. Note, notice this from Jonathan Turley. It says, there is trouble brewing at BlackRock, the headquarters of, of CBS, after the firing of Herridge, an acclaimed investigative reporter. Many of us were shocked after Herridge was included in layoffs this month, but those concerns have increased after CBS officials, this is, the, this is not the DOJ, this is the regime media, after CBS officials took the unusual step of seizing her files, computers, and records, including information on privileged sources. <laughs> Establishing a privileged source, that's always the source and the individual journalist. And here comes the parent company or the CBS executive saying, hey, we own all of this. This is CBS property. So you're fired and we're taking all of your materials as well. I mean, it's, it's so bad. There's some there's some independent journalists that have risen to her defense. What is going on? Why would CBS, here again, why would they go after this woman who's been around for so many years so aggressively, so abruptly? It says here, the position of CBS has alarmed many, including the union, as an attack on free, free press principles by one of the nation's most esteemed press organizations. I don't know about that, but we'll move on. It says, I have spoken confidentially with current and former CBS employees who have stated that they could not recall the company ever taking such a step uh, before. It goes on and gives a, a couple of quotes from these sources on the inside. It says here, that has led to concerns about the source of the pressure. He added that he had never seen a seizure of, of records from a departing journalist and that the move had sent a chilling signal in the ranks of CBS. But then now as to the timing, here again, note, <laughs> note this. The timing of Herridge's termination immediately raised suspicions in Washington. She was pursuing stories that were unwelcomed by the Biden White House and many Democratic powerhouses, including the Her Report on Joe Biden's diminished mental capacity the Biden corruption scandal, and the Hunter Biden laptop. She continued to pursue these stories despite reports of pushback from CBS executives. And now she's gone. And now her laptop's been confiscated. 
And now all of her confidential records with confidential sources. That's in the hands of CBS executives. And it just so happens that she was pursuing those stories that I just read to you over at the New York Post. It says that uh, Harridge was investigating the Hunter Biden laptop scandal before she was fired last week. And she had her personal file seized by the network in an unprecedented move, sources told the Post on uh, Thursday. Pretty amazing. She's about to expose Hunter and the Biden crime family. Same with this uh, FBI informant. This source, this, this Alexander, what was his name again? Too many Russian names to try to keep track of. <laughs> but there you go. And connect the dots if you can. There's something big is going down. That's, that's, that's what it tells us at this program. Something big is about to shake the earth here in U.S. politics. These people, as I've said so many times, they're being exposed. And, of course, every time I refer you to America Under Attack, because this gives you the full story. This shows you what's happening inside the United States. There, there's a clip from, uh, from Donald Trump where he talks about the attack from within. I forgot to highlight these, and I had to stack them all together. Give me a second. Go ahead and play. Uh, go ahead and play at number five. Today we are in another struggle for survival of our nation. I believe it's the most dangerous point in the history of our country because of the power of the weaponry. This time, the greatest threat is not from the outside of our country. I really believe this. It's from within. It's the people from within our country that are more dangerous than the people outside. They're very sick people, in my opinion, in many cases. They're sick. I'm here today because I know that to achieve victory in this fight, just like in the battles of the past, we still need the hand of our Lord and the grace of Almighty God. We have to have that. That was at uh, this Christian broadcaster's uh, convention just yesterday. He had a lot to say about the Christian community. And here again, if you understand what we've written in Great Again and, and America Under Attack and, and, and know a little bit about the prophecy in Amos 7, that's uh, significant in and of itself, this uh, alliance between the Jeroboam type and the traditional Christian community or the evangelicals. I'll uh, get to that. Uh, more later, if, uh, if I have the time. But he's talking about the attack from within and these sick people on the inside, these sick and deranged individuals. Listen to another segment uh, of the morning meltdown, clip one. I saw Russia was second, and Russia's a, a, a military is collapsing. Russia was second to the U.S. military. And yet Donald Trump lies about America's greatness. Donald Trump lies about America's men and women in uniform. Donald Trump lies about what small business owners and entrepreneurs, the lies. I don't understand it, Claire. Why do they bash America so much? So the only blemish on the great country of America worldwide is, in fact, Donald Trump. And can I make a suggestion? 
I move that every newspaper in America quits doing any fact checks on Joe Biden until they fact check Donald Trump every morning on the front page. It is ridiculous that the New York Times fact checked Joe Biden on something. I mean, he vomits lies. Trump vomits lies. Didn't she used to work in Congress? She's a former congresswoman, I think. (laughs) She's now a commentator, obviously. What did she say? The only blemish on the great country of America worldwide is Donald Trump? That's it? That's the only blemish? And then, of course, she's encouraging the New York Times not to fact check Joe Biden. Certainly not. The, the gray lady, the paper of record, don't fact check Joe Biden. Just do it for Trump. You see how sick and deranged these people are. They're, certainly their reasoning. It's, we covered this point, I know, all week. It's, it's, you know, you could have someone get assassinated in a Siberian prison and it's Donald Trump's fault. Just judging by what these people say. You can have the economy imploding here in the United States. And, and someone like that can say the only blemish in the nation or abroad, anywhere in the world, you might as well add the universe, it's Donald Trump. Listen to this, uh, this one. I'm not sure if we have the, the uh, Declaration of Independence reading. If not, I'll give it to you in a second. But this is another NBC, NBC commentator talking about the threat of Christian nationalists to con- the country, clip four. The one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, Mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. They believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. Right. And first, she's making a distinction between Christians and the Christian nationalists. The Christian nationalists, I guess, are the dangerous ones. And they believe that our rights come from God, just like the founders did. You got the oral reading there from the Declaration of Independence in between. This, these are the sick people that want to fundamentally transform the United States, that want to, they want you to submit to the idea that your rights come from an earthly organization. It comes from their political party. It comes from the dear leader. It comes from Barack Hussein Obama, all part of the fundamental transformation. Listen again to Donald Trump at this Christian broadcaster's convention from yesterday, clip uh, six. For all Americans, but especially for Christians, nothing is more important than to defeat this wicked system and to return to fair, equal, and impartial justice under the constitutional rule of law. You have to return to the constitutional rule of law. We're not there. He's calling on Christians to... (laughs) to step up and save their country. Listen now to to clip seven. 
The chains are already tightening around all of us. I mean, if you think about it, ultimately, the radical left is coming after all of us because they know that our allegiance is not to them. Our allegiance is to our country and our allegiance is to our creator. They don't want to hear that. And I really believe it's the biggest thing missing from this country. It's the biggest thing missing. We have to bring back our religion. We have to bring back Christianity in this country. Our allegiance is to our country and our creator. They don't, what did he say? They don't want to hear that. You just saw it from that MSNBC commentator. They actually believe that their freedoms come from God. One more clip from, uh, maybe two more, from uh, Donald Trump, clip eight. Remember, every communist regime throughout history has tried to stamp out the churches, just like every fascist regime has tried to co-opt them and control them. And in America, the radical left is trying to do both at the same time. There's never been anything like this. It's really dangerous, okay? It's really a bad thing. And then finally, this one I thought was pretty amazing. It was Donald Trump just kind of wondering about what must... What must God think as he's looking down and observing all that is happening to the United States of America? Clip nine. And God probably can't believe what he's seeing. I think Jack, I think he's having a hard time with this one. He's trying to figure, well, maybe he isn't, but everyone else is, I can tell you. He probably understands it very well, better than anybody. There's enough filth on our airwaves. American families need a haven where our children can be taught our values, not have radical values forced upon them. I think, uh, I think the creator does understand it very well. You can look at, uh, I mentioned Amos 7, uh, and don't forget about 2 Kings 14. God, I mean, he, he is observing, and he sees bitter affliction, and he's going to have to intervene to save us from this fundamental transformation of the United States. It'll be temporary. It won't be long lasting, but it will happen. Again, America Under Attack gives you the full story. I'll just uh, conclude the segment with a quote from the uh, Great Again booklet. I think this first appeared as a, an article back in 2017. But it's commenting on Amos 7 where it says, the, the priest Amaziah is sending this message about Amos to Jeroboam, this strongly indicates that this end-time Jeroboam has a religious following. And you're seeing that more and more. I mean, really, we were pointing this out back in 2017 when Donald Trump got something like 80% of the evangelical vote. But now you see that alliance. I mean, it's strengthening. And, and the reason you know it's strengthening is because you see these terrified regime talking heads going on and on about what the so-called Christian nationalists think. That they actually think that their freedoms, their liberties come from above. It says here, the sanctuaries of Israel are the religions, the religions of this nation or this world. And then further on, my father says, anciently God allowed the dividing of the nation of Israel because of its sins and gave control over the northern ten tribes to Jeroboam. Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor and uh, he was industrious. It says, but he ended up being a disaster for Israel. That's just the history. You can go back and, and look at that. And again, 
<laughs> among, among all of the, you know, the talking heads or the political discourse or the fight for the country. I mean, the sins of Israel aren't being addressed. Certainly there's not in any way a national repentance. This morning in, in class, I was just going through Isaiah 1, Isaiah 2, Isaiah 3. We refer to Isaiah 1 and Isaiah 3 quite often, but you get the theme from the start. You've got the sickness from head to toe, and it continues. There's a, you know, a brief little moment of millennial utopia in the first part of Isaiah 2, but then as it continues, it says, look, our sins, we're just drenched in them. And then in chapter 3, it gets into how upside down our society is. Distorted roles, the breakdown of the family, it's all there in Bible prophecy. The, uh, the book, America Under Attack, I'll just give you a little bit from that as well. He talks about Donald Trump's willingness to take a stand and the courage that he's shown and how that it, it does offer inspiration to some, you know, some, you, you, can't get, you can't get a Republican montage exposing all of these evil shenanigans going on in Congress right now to cover up Biden crimes. You just can't get it. But there are some in the evangelical community, certainly some commentators, more and more who are exposing this fundamental transformation for what it is. It says, Mr. Trump also has a strong relationship with religious leaders and has strongly defended religious groups. He speaks publicly about how good and strong and even righteous America is, although the truth is that America today is none of those things. He inspired confidence in a lot of people about this nation's future. This was all a modern-day fulfillment of what happened in ancient Israel under Jeroboam II. That's uh, from America Under Attack, as I say. If you don't have that copy, call, or, or that book, call our operators today and request your free copy. There's no cost, no obligation. The number is 1-866-930-3024. When we come back, we, will, uh, we have this week's installment of World Watch. That'll be for the first few minutes, and then we'll conclude today's show with a Bible study segment. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. Daily news, Bible prophecy. See the connection on the Trumpet Daily. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the flood of news and information? You need something to sift the news and bring you only what matters most. You need the Trumpet Daily. You also need something to help you understand not just what's happening now, but what will happen next. You need the Trumpet Daily. Only the Trumpet Daily accurately matches daily news to precise Bible prophecies. Because Bible prophecy is the only tool up to the task of sifting the news down to what's important and showing you what will happen next. Join host Stephen Flurry every weekday. Go to TrumpetDaily.com. Who 
Houthi terrorists sank a British ship in the Red Sea with missile strikes on February 19th, the United Kingdom's Maritime Trade Operations Agency reported. This is the first time since the beginning of the Israel-Hamas war that a crew in the Red Sea was forced to abandon its ship due to attacks by the Iran-sponsored terrorist group. The Financial Times called this the Houthis' most damaging strike yet. News of the attack came alongside reports that the Houthis also downed an American MQ-9 Reaper drone and struck two U.S. cargo vessels in the Gulf of Aden. The Houthis are one of several groups that Iran finances and works through. These strikes and all the Houthis' jihadist activities are part of Iran's efforts to take over the Red Sea, destroy Israel, and push against the global order. To understand where Red Sea chaos is leading, read Trumpet Editor-in-Chief Gerald Flurry's recent article, The Battle for the Red Sea. European nations must move from manufacturing to mass production of armaments, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz said on February 12th at the groundbreaking ceremony for Rheinmetall's new munitions factory. The new factory is scheduled to begin production in 2025 and will eventually reach a capacity of 200,000 shells per year. This year, Rheinmetall aims to produce 500,000 shells, more than seven times the annual production before the Ukraine war. The trumpet has warned for decades that a unified, militaristic European superpower led by Germany will rise in the end time and play a major role in world events. Russia's war on Ukraine is accelerating this trend, prompting uneasy European countries to militarize. To learn more, read our Trends article, Why the Trumpet Watches Europe's Push Toward a Unified Military. Britain faced more anti-Semitic actions in 2023 than any other year on record, a Jewish advisory board called the Community Security Trust reported on February 15th. 4,103 anti-Semitic cases occurred across Britain in 2023, more than double 2022's number and much higher than the previous record of 2,255 from 2021. 266 of last year's cases were violent assaults, which was another record. Two-thirds of the incidents took place on or after October 7th, when Hamas invaded Israel. 416 acts took place in the week following October 7th, more than any other week since. This likely reflects a celebration of the Hamas attack on Israel. In an age that claims to be open to diversity, such hatred toward a people who have faced extreme prejudice throughout history can be confusing. The Bible explains why there is so much anti-Semitism today and where this Jewish hatred will lead. To learn more, read The One Minority Society Loves to Hate. To learn more about current world news and how it relates to Bible prophecy, please visit thetrumpet.com. Earlier this week we were talking about blessings from God and, and giving God thanks. I read to you the, uh, those two verses in Psalm 103. I'll just repeat it here. Verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, you His angels that excel in strength and do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. It says, Bless you the eternal, all you His hosts, you ministers of His that do His pleasure. Bless the eternal, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. God, God wants us to be truly grateful and thankful for all of his blessings and to express that thanks, that praise to him in, uh, in our prayers, in our prayers of thanksgiving. The Bible has so many verses about that very subject. 
offering up prayers of thanksgiving. You see it all through the book of Psalms, as I just read to you. Paul is someone, the Apostle Paul, he wrote 14 letters in the New Testament, and he spoke often about giving thanks. You can read in Acts 16 where he was, he was shut away in prison in Philippi, and he was just there with his assistants singing praises to God while he was locked in chains. That's remarkable that someone could stay that positive in the midst of such, such a sore trial. And of course, your Bible even talks about rejoicing in the midst of a fiery trial. Think about the mindset of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego telling Nebuchadnezzar, hey, we're not going to bow down to your God. We'll go into the furnace. God will save us. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. That's quite a positive outlook. I mean, they were willing to die even just to keep the first commandment, just to put God first. This section in, in Paul's epistle to Philippi, by the way, here, here, this is, as I bring out in the epistles of Paul class here at the college, this is such a positive book. There's very little that you could construe as correction in the book of Philippians. This was, and part of it is because this was a positive, happy, joyous congregation. And you have to wonder if after what they witnessed, imagine the news. Yeah, there was this preacher guy, he got thrown in prison and they, they were singing praises. And then miraculously the door swung open and they didn't leave. They didn't try to flee. Paul told the jailer, don't worry, don't worry about it. We're still here. That news had to have spread through the town. Certainly among those that then came along into the church of God. If Paul can be that positive, that joyous in circumstances such as that, well, I think I, I should be able to as well. And then you see this letter that comes along years later. And, and Paul just heaps so much praise on these people of God in Philippi for their positive mindset. Notice what it says in Philippians 4 and verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these topics. Think on subjects like this. It'll fill your heart with joy. And then, of course, verse 9, he says, you've got to go and do it as well. You've got to live it. Think and do. Notice verse 10. It says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that how at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. He was giving thanks to God for these people and the sacrifices they were making to further his ministry. And then verse 11, it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul learned how to do this. So that probably came as a somewhat of a revelation to a few of the members who just thought, boy, this guy's it's almost like he's superhuman going into a, a, a Philippian jail cell and just rejoicing and singing. 
And he says here, look, I can't take the credit. I've learned these things. God, though, is living in me. The God of peace, the God of joy, the God of happiness. That same God can live in you. And we really do want to aim for, strive for a positive orientation in all that we do and say. Because we have so much to be thankful for. And like I said the other day, in the physical realm, certainly in the spiritual realm, the spiritual blessings from God coming from the Father of lights, a superabundant supply of them, put the focus on that and the focus on the source of those spiritual blessings. It says in Matthew 5 and verse 45, your Father which is in heaven makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Everyone benefits. Now, God does punish, as we were discussing in the first segment, and it does take some pretty strong punishment and correction for our nations to finally sit up and and pay attention and listen to God. That's coming, but then you think about what comes after. I mentioned Isaiah 1, 2, and 3 in the first segment, and maybe that little inset at the beginning of chapter 2. It's right in the middle of all that. God's just describing all this filth and our descent into human reasoning run amok and just upside down families. But then he says right there in Isaiah 2, I think it's verse 2, verses 2 and 3, soon everyone's going to be going to Jerusalem to keep the feast, to learn about God's law of love, to look to God, to give thanks to God. There's a psalm, Psalm 104 and verse 21. It says, The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. I mean, it's as if the animal kingdom understands this concept better. I read to you the other day that passage in Matthew 6 where it shows the care and the concern that God gives to the the lily in the field. It's more beautiful, it's more magnificent than even Solomon's temple. As I joke in class from time to time, I mean, you don't, you don't look at a lily and think about that little flower going through all of this turmoil and, and this struggle and having a lot of stress and pressure. I mean, it's a lily. It's God's creation. And God looks after it. The same with the sparrow. God knows when every little... Every little sparrow dies. He knows every hair on our heads. He knows every planet in the universe by name, the scriptures relate. He is God. And we just have a a short, temporary, chemical existence. And it's important because God wants for us to learn the lessons in this life. Short though it is. So that we can prepare for life eternal for life in the family of God. I mentioned Matthew 6. Notice this. Verse 19, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. It says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. That's where the real payoff is in the end. Make your investment above. Put your heart on the things above. Set your mind there, Colossians 3.2 says. It's something to think about. I read that uh, memory verse from Matthew 6 last time. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek it. Diligently go after it and his righteousness. And then the, the things will just fall in place. As the scripture says, you know, God reigns on the just and the unjust. He'll provide. He'll take care of his children, especially his children, because he's our father. And we're his children. And, and Father Knows Best. There used to be a TV show that went by that title. You would never see a, a show like that today, of course. Because the Father is to be attacked. The Father is to be uh, removed. The Father is to be conspired against. What do you suppose is behind that? Well, that would be the Father of lies and murder discussed over in John 8, 44. Satan hates the God family vision. His primary target is the Father. First our Heavenly Father, and then you look at what's happening in our society. He goes after the Father. He wants to turn the, he wants to turn the family upside down. This is what I was talking about in Isaiah 3. Here it says the children oppress, the women rule, and in that passage, there's no mention of the Father. He's gone. He's missing. He's AWOL. What does that do to the family? When you remove, when you remove the father of the family, when you remove the head of the home, when you take away the primary educator for those new little ones that come into the family, wonderful blessings, like it says in the psalm. It's, it's a blessing to have your quiver full of them. Those little ones, as the families grow and expand, God's family is about to grow and expand over all the earth. And eventually the, the whole universe, our Father in heaven, is a great giver of every perfect gift from above. And he wants us to concentrate on those spiritual blessings and gifts. Isaiah 55 and verse 1, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsts, come you to the waters. And he that has no money, come you, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not? It says, Hearken diligently unto me, and eat you that which is good, and let your soul delight in fatness. Look to God as your provider. When you don't do that, it's just so easy to get caught up into destitute and miserable thinking or, or the way of this world where there's never enough. We're never satisfied. We're never happy. We just always want more. Get, get, get. Learn to give. Acts 20 and verse 35 says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you could add to that that you're happy when you're giving. You're Sometimes it's going to be, uh, there's going to be some stress and strain associated with it. Maybe you get worn out and tired from time to time. I was mentioning this to the students the other day. 
But you, you always are satisfied and content if you're giving of yourself to God's purpose and plan, to God's work. Paul said in, in 1 Timothy 6 that godliness with contentment is great gain. I gave you the verse where he said he had to learn how to be content. If you're living God's way of life, and keep in mind, God is love. Love is out, outflowing. It's unselfish, outflowing concern for others, for God first, and then, and then everyone else. If you're learning to live that way, godliness, in other words, godliness with contentment, being satisfied, being happy with what God's given you and thanking him for it, then there will be great gain. Your, your, your Bible says so. God just wants us to believe. Increase our faith. Luke 11, that's what the disciples uh, requested of Jesus. Luke 11 here in verse 13, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You know, I'm a father. I've given gifts to my children over the years. Now, no, no father wants them to just take it for granted or to feel entitled when they receive it. You certainly want to teach them to be thankful and appreciative. And that's what God's trying to teach us. But coming back to this point, if, if we know how to give gifts and we're evil, we're carnal, we're selfish. How much more does the God of perfect love know how to give you gifts from above? If you'll just go and ask and beseech him and cry out to him and cry out with some persistence, some real zeal, some real fervency. God responds to those kinds of requests. This is from a Royal Vision article back in 2006. It says, God has much to give, much to give. He, he could prosper each of us to the heights in a minute, but he knows that instant prosperity could hurt us and only supplies us with what we can handle. And then it goes on and says how that he's like a loving parent. He wants to just keep giving us more and more and more, but he's not going to give us more than we can handle. We could go on and on with this subject. I mean, this is a great theme that runs right through the Bible, but we're out of time, sad to say. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. Some of you have joined us for every show this week. We appreciate that, too. We'll see you next time.